Dallas Carter, 1888. The team you don't remember from Friday Night Lights. The greatest high school team that has ever been assembled. Ever. You're walking through the mall and people are asking you for your autograph. We were 18-year-old movie stars. We're like the princes of the city. There was nowhere you couldn't go. Rules, they didn't apply to me. When you that good and you are American, you could do anything. I started thinking I was bigger and beyond the law. People came to me and I didn't know that your son would do something like that. I didn't know either. We created an environment that Texas high school football players, if they don't have it, they're going to take it. It was heartbreaking. They'd thrown away everything that they did. And we are back. I am Eric. He is Kevin. This is the Props Podcast on the Beckett Podcasting Network, brought to you by Sparty Hot Cash. And this week, we're taking another long look at ESPN's 30 for 30, What Carter Lost. Kevin, I was excited to bring this one. I saw it on the list. I was happy. And I watched it. I was like, how are we going to do a documentary? But I, li- I like it. I think there's a lot to discuss here. Is this the first time you saw it? No, this is not the first okay. time. But this is the first time in a while that I've seen it. Okay. So, yeah, I saw it when it first came out. And I watched it again over the weekend. And it's awesome. Yeah, sure. Okay. Is. So, if I'll, I mean, I'll just go ahead and get this, knock this out at the very beginning. If you live in the state of Texas and you haven't seen this, mm-hmm. you have to. Like, you absolutely have to. And in addition to that, if you live in the world (laughs) and you've ever had anyone in your family or anyone you care about associated with high school football, you need to watch this. It is great. And the fact that it's all true makes it all the more devastating. Right. That that's that's the very intriguing part to me that it's all true. All this happened. Yeah. And And it seems like it shouldn't be like if this was make believe, I'd be like, that's a little stretching it. Right. But it all really happened. It all really happened. So uh, we're going to have to obviously switch things up here because this was a made for TV movie. So there's there's not a budget behind it that we can report on. It didn't release anywhere, so... It should have won awards. It's great. It's really, really good. So what I wanted to first do, though, is just talk about the 30 for 30 series in general. Are you a fan of the 30 for 30 series? Huge fan of the 30 for 30. I I, I can't claim to have seen every single one of them. Okay. But I have seen, and I remember going through the list a while back, I've probably seen about... 70% 70% of them, and there's like 90 of them, so yeah. I've seen a ton of them, and it's just, I really love the long form of learning more right. about a story that you thought you knew, because like, you know, you started off at the very beginning, oh sure, everybody heard about the Wayne Gretzky trade, right. and you know about it, but like, did you know the ins and outs leading up to it, and, and all that, and so... It, just bringing you more info to the stories. Like, I, I wouldn't have thought even the Bartman one uh-huh. I would have cared about because that's a contemporary one. That happened when I was an adult. Sure. I remember, because my mom is from Chicago, having to call her while she was at a play and be like, okay, this is going <laughs> to sound weird. The Cubs were ahead 3-1 to one in the eighth inning, and then this foul ball went towards the stands, and this guy might have touched it, and everyone lost their mind, and now the Cubs are falling apart. And mm-hmm. I was like, I know it sounds weird, but it's going to be the biggest story in the world tomorrow and so like that all happened when i was an adult and i wouldn't have thought that would have interested me and then there's all this other stuff to it and you're like wow and so it's that's the thing that i find time and again with these series even if it's something contemporary that i think i know about gotta watch it um well, two things you, you you mentioned the first the uh king's ransom which was the very first one about uh about wayne gretzky they're that hit on a collectible level for for me because uh, the eighty eight eighty nine Wayne Gretzky tops card featured him still in an Oilers okay. jersey. Okay, the Opeachy version of that card featured him in a Kings version, oh. and thus thus is far more expensive. I could see it, that. And it was a it was um, for a card that was released in the junk wax era of cards. Right. That card 
stands atop with, with probably like maybe 10 other cards from that era that is like that's still worth money it's still cool to see i could see that because it was the first one you know and and you know him the the seismic shift from from this canadian born superhero going down to la where his wife could you know yeah <laughs> be uh be Janet, you know, just whatever she wanted to be. Single-handedly right? kickstarting the hockey revolution in the West Coast. Exactly. So that that was interesting that you brought up that one because it was just how that card really stands out still in, in collecting today. And then the other one was just how good the series is. Like the directors they get in on this, from from Ice Cube to like just name a director, and they've had an amazing Jim Morgan Spurlock. Yeah, exactly, been on there. Uh, the if, if you get the opportunity, the uh, the two Escobars, great, has always been a standout to mm-hmm. me. And then if a more recent one, the three parter about the Lakers and uh, the, the Celtics, yeah, so, yeah, absolutely tremendous. Absolutely, yes. I know that you don't care for uh, the Nature Boy, but. But that was really good too. That was really good. And the thing I did like about that is I like I think Ric Flair is an objectively bad human being. Yes. And so I was worried that they would fawn all over him. And like there's even a part where Triple H is like, Well, I mean, Ric Flair is a liar. Right. And you're just like, Whoa. I mean, that's one of his best friends. <laughs> exactly. And then the question is essentially posed to Ric Flair, like, do you think you're the reason that your son is dead? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Holy crap, they're yeah, they're not beating around the bush here. And so I, I thoroughly enjoyed that one as well, and that's the thing is if it has anything to do with a subject that you're any uh, any bit interested about at all, you got to watch it yeah. because it's usually pretty objective and down the line. And not to not to promote another another podcast or anything, but their thirty for thirty podcast series is excellent as well. I've really wanted to hear the Dan and Dave one. Oh, because, it's, oh it's amazing! Yeah, oh my god, I remember that, but not. That that was just when I was really getting into sports and understanding things, and so I would love to know more about that. It's really good. The, the last season they they com, they committed the whole season to. Uh, now it's going to slip my mind. Uh, it was a yoga. It was all about yoga. But this guy that oh. this guy ended up in Los Angeles doing yoga for the stars, and he ended up basically just abusing a bunch of people. That, <laughs> that's uh wow, golly, that's devastating. I. And you, since you brought up hockey, that's another one. The the con man one mm-hmm. about the guy who oh, bought yeah, from the, Dallas, yeah, yeah, who was going to buy the stars and then right. ended up buying the Islanders, yeah. sort of for a minute. That one's is it Spano? That one's pretty yeah, top notch. Yeah, it well. is. Uh, that one, that particular episode uh, digs deep into everything, including the fisherman logo that the Islanders had that everybody hated. <laughs> wow. Well, as long as we're doing the positive, you know, I got to throw out the <laughs> negative. Uh, the worst 30 for 30 is either Doc and Daryl, terrible, okay. super boring, or Rand University about yeah, Randy, Randy Moss. Moss. That is the most boring one that is nothing happens. And they're like, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> and like that's essentially the whole hour. It's super boring. Those two are duds. Are duds. Pretty much everyone else you'll see, it'll have something in my, it for well, you. Well, okay. Since we're washing the balls here, uh, my favorite is the Bo Jackson one because I, I love Bo Jackson. You're gonna get it, me in trouble for this. You know God. my controversial Bo. Jackson yeah, I know your Bo Jackson taste. <laughs> I set you up, but you didn't take it. Uh, all right, so let's talk about. I have very controversial <laughs> Bo Jackson opinions. Let, let's uh, let's talk about this one. Um, all right, so 2017, it was released. Pretty much everybody plays themselves in the, in sure. the show. So this is this is a cast full of, uh, in 1988, perennial All-Americans. They were just, they took the nation by storm. And that team ended up having five pro footballers on it. And the most notable would be Jesse Armstead, who played... Who played nine? Well, parts of ten seasons in in the made NFL. Pro Bowls. He made was in the Super Bowl. Pro, yeah, Super yep. Bowl. Uh, also in a college career, he ended up winning. Uh, he was part of two of those five Miami national titles. So uh, he was the most prolific of those. But this is this is the story. This is the story of of first great triumph and then ultimately uh, horrible horrible tragedy uh, because uh, these guys ended up doing some really bad things. So it's. And everybody knows sort of about this team mm-hmm. from Friday Night Lights. From Friday Night Lights, yes. Because they're the bad guys. Right. 
which is weird because it's a true story, but they're the bad guys right. in Friday Night Lights. And they even pointed out in the documentary that in the movie, it's mm-hmm. set up that this is the finals. But right. in reality, they played Odessa Permian in the state Sem- semifinals, semifinals, which which is kind of adds to the sad irony of it all. Because if they really would have played in the finals, mm-hmm. then Odessa Permian would have technically gotten their state championship because Carter was eventually stripped of sure. the state championship. And, I mean, you've got people like LaDainian Tomlinson mm-hmm. talking about how everybody knows that the 1988 Carter team was the best team. And everybody knows that DISD hadn't won a state football since 50s, championship yeah. since 1950. I can't remember if it was Sunset or Skyline, but it's like yeah. they won back-to-back in 49 and 50, two different teams. And right. so no team had won since then, and this was going to be the team to get the job done. And theoretically, like this is something that I always have an issue with, whether it's the NCAA or whoever. Like you can say they didn't win the state championship, right. but like they won the game and they beat Converse Judson in the finals, thirty-one to fourteen, or something pretty emphatic. Right. They raised the trophy. Everyone who was at the game saw it. So you can say they didn't win it, and I get in the record books it'll say they didn't win it, but. I mean, yeah. you can't take away the memories, so right. that's something. Reggie Bush won that Heisman Trophy. Exactly. <laughs> like You could say that nobody won the Heisman Trophy, but we all saw it. We right. all know exactly. what happened. Exactly. And, and so basically the story is about you know this uber-talented group of players who it kind of is reminiscent a little bit when they display some of it of – you know, the U 30 for 30 or Mm -hmm. the Fab Five in terms of the swag that they bring to the field and how they carry it off the field as well. And, you know, that doesn't surprise me given that it's a very similar time period. Like this would have been one year before the Fab Five and this would have been right in the midst of when Miami was dominating college football. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't surprise me that they would have some of that same vibe. And I think that would be interesting if any of that was – derived directly from Miami if they yeah, saw how yeah, definitely you know definitely. and, and it, I, I always like it when someone carries themselves with that kind of swagger but they're good to back it up right like you hate it when they have that swagger and they're no good sure or they're super good and they're super boring you know like I think Mike Trout should be the biggest athlete in the face of planet earth but he's kind of boring he's to a lot of people person, yeah and so if he had the personality of Bryce Harper he'd be the biggest athlete absolutely in the universe right, absolutely. and so I I, that's that's one of the things I think you can like about this Carter team is they could back it up. You know, they would have finished that season at 14 and one or right. whatever it was to win the state championship. But the biggest part of the story and where the first wave of intrigue comes in, because this story is interesting because it almost feels like two different 30 for 30s. It does. Like you have the you have the drama of the educational aspect to it and if they would be able to play in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And then there's this whole other story afterwards about the crime and everything. So focusing on the education part, essentially they win their first playoff game and you find out that like there might've been some grade fixing Mm -hmm. going on. And this is where it gets really interesting and people's agendas are really shown off is, you know, there's a particular reporter who's featured heavily in there who's <laughs> never found a story that they couldn't turn into something about race and they say that people like the South Grand Prairies, the Plano East they couldn't handle it because they lost to a bunch of black people and I was like you need to spend more time there they can't handle losing to anybody right. it doesn't matter like some of Plano's most bitter defeats came against you know, the Odessa Permians and the Highland Parks and the super white schools. Sure. I was like, it's about losing. It's not about the race they're losing to. They mm-hmm. care far more about, like, status and other things that have to do with right. race. And th- But they're... But the point comes up is, were the grades changed? Should they have been eligible? And you feel really bad for the kids at Carter because a lot of these kids had nothing to do with any of this. Right. And they're playing careers might be over like you pointed out so many of these kids went on to play college and pro football Mm -hmm. but not all of them right and so how would you feel going into a game going hey you might get to play and win a state championship or keep playing or your career could be over could be over yeah it'd be devastating i think this is interesting that we're doing this one right now because we're in the middle of the texas high school playoffs and one one more week until the playoffs yeah uh, okay just just about there and um you know in 1988 i was 
going I lived in Springtown, Texas, a very small school, and our biggest issue was South Lake Carroll because they were still a three A team. Sure. Um this was they're a five A team and they're just destroying everybody. Yep. And I've I can vividly remember seeing well it's I it doesn't seem unusual because we live in Texas and we're from Texas, but in other states it might not be a thing to see high school football news on the news right right <laughs> so what these guys were all over the news because they were legit superstars that carried themselves with that swag that you were just talking about and they just wrecked high school football and if you don't believe the size of texas high school football take a look this year yeah because it's the same every single year look at the average attendance mm-hmm. for all of the state championship games especially when they're at AT&T Stadium i know obviously there's some rotation but especially when they're in AT&T Stadium leading up to the new year's six bowls every year it's the same right the average attendance for a texas state championship game is higher than the average attendance for a bowl game and that's a fact that's yeah and, and so if you're yeah, if you fact. didn't understand the scope of it there it is. I have been to multiple Texas high school football games where they set and reset the attendance record with mm-hmm. more than 50,000 people in, atten- in attendance because sure. Allen travels really well. <laughs> and Alan so I, I, well. I've seen that several times. And so it doesn't surprise me. The other the other group I felt bad for was whoever South Lake, uh, whoever Carter's second-round opponent was going to be because right. they were like, yeah, it's either going to be South Grand Prairie or maybe it was Plano East mm-hmm. or Carter against South Grand Prairie. And I'm thinking, well, if you're South Grand Prairie, Prairie, that kind of sucks. You're sitting here like, well, I hope we eventually find out who we're going to play. <laughs> and then they found out the day of. The day of. And, and like, if some of the Carter kids had nothing to do with it, those kids literally had nothing to do with it. Exactly. And they're just sitting here, what are we supposed to scout? I don't really know. The judge will let us know. The judge will. And so eventually... You know, the Carter kids are cleared, but then they're not. And then there's an injunction. Mm-hmm. And they are essentially bounced in and out of the playoffs three times. Yes. And there is one, I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember who the commentator was. But I thought he made a great point, And I thought this is the most devastating point in the movie for the school districts like the Planos that are trying to hold some of this up because there are multiple representatives from Plano ISD, actually multiple of which have schools named after them in the Plano (laughs) ISD, if you wanted to know. And the commentator says, yeah, but are these people complaining about this because they really care that that kid is not getting a good education or they care that their football team lost? Exactly. I thought that was devastating because I'll tell you right now, there's no way in hell they give a crap about whether that Carter kid learned math or not. Right. They just don't. They care about their football team. Mm-hmm. And that was the part. It wasn't the racism aspect. That was the part that I wish more people had gone after because I was like, why don't you point out that none of these kids actually care if any of the Carter kids are learning anything just as long as they don't cheat their kids out of being able to play because exactly. that's what it's really about. That's what it's really about. That's just how big football is here, right? I mean, oh, sure. And I, I don't. And I don't want to just single out Plano. Like I know it was Carter that beat Plano East, and that was what mm-hmm. led to Plano being heavily involved in this. But far be it from Plano to be the only one that <laughs> exactly. has run into such concerns. <laughs> exactly. So this this really is the tell of, of it's two different thirty for thirties. So the first half sure. is all about the education and the football, and then the second half we get into really the meat of the story, which are the uh, the run of armed robberies that these these now uh, state champions have nothing better to do. Because they, they won. Because they, they won. They did win. They won, and they had nothing better to do because the football season's over. And so they, not all of them, but some of them decide to just start robbing convenience stores and restaurants, and and it just leads into bad things. The cop, The cop that pulls them over tells them, Hey, you know, watch watch yourself. Watch what you're doing, and because people are out here looking for reasons, and then they they just completely disregard that advice and they go on to do bad things. So I'm gonna not tell you the school or okay. the players, but <laughs> this I know this kind of thing to be true. Okay, so there was one. I'm sure if you really wanted to follow it, if you're a good investigator, you could figure it out. But 
you know, I worked in, I worked at a place called Star Local Media, mm-hmm. still goes now, does like Plano Star Courier, uh, sure. 13, 14 different uh, metropolitan suburban newspapers. And so we were all across and I did that for eight years. And I remember when I started, I asked the guy who hired me, hey, Dave, uh, is this really a full-time job to cover high school sports? How naive I was. And he just <laughs> laughed and he goes, yeah, I think you'll stay pretty busy. And oh my God, did I stay busy. Sure. But there was a particular opening round matchup in the high school playoffs where there was an undefeated team. They were overwhelmingly favored to win and they got destroyed. Like they fell behind 28 to nothing and they okay. ended up, it was a massive upset. And I started hearing some buzz here and there that it might have been because the quarterback, the starting quarterback, was hung over and uh. he had gotten so wasted the night before. And I got multiple people <laughs> to tell me that that was in fact the case, but none of them would say it on, on the, the record. record, and so I could never develop a story into that. Later on, a few years later, I actually did get information about a high school team mm. that had won one of their playoff games, but at halftime of a blowout win, three of their starters were drinking in the bathroom next to the locker room okay and they all got suspended from the next game Mm. and it was a big to do in the community and at the paper because we ran the kids names because these were prominent starting players on a team that looked destined to win the state championship and i was sitting in the press box with people who didn't know i was the one who wrote the story Uh and i heard multiple people go i can't believe that reporter just put those names in the paper or maybe they did know i was in the press box and it was really passive aggressive uh a couple days after that, the Dallas Morning News put the names in the paper, and I was like, oh, are you going to run them down too, even though they were five days behind on the story? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, I have seen that where, you know, where people get caught or people don't get caught mm-hmm. because people cover up for them. I mean, here, here's another example, and this is when I knew things were about to change, is there is a player who is now in the NBA mm-hmm. and There was a UIL hearing about whether or not he should be eligible. And I had multiple coaches say that there is no way in hell that this kid should be eligible. His address is a mailbox and no house. And they ruled that he was eligible. And again, one of the coaches told me off the record, and he goes, well, now that the UIL has let us know that they don't care, sure, it's open season. And that same team the next year transferred in a point guard from Detroit. And I talked to him about it, and I was like, seems a little hypocritical. And he goes, why? They've told us the rules don't matter anymore. Sure, sure. So we're going to do what it takes. And again, if you figure out who these teams are, well, you can see how it turned out for them. But, I mean, this kid ended up in the NBA. There's another kid who ended up in the NBA who I heard rumors about that school was paying for his rent. But could I get anyone on the record to say that? No. No. Did I have multiple people off the record who said, I will deny it if you use it? Yes. And then I couldn't ever get the story printed. Sure. These are kids who ended up in the NBA. And in 30 for 30, these are kids who either had aspirations or did end up in the NFL who almost went down this path or did go down mm-hmm. this path to derail them. So don't be surprised. It happens a lot more than you might a think. A lot more. Than, see, this. You're, you're telling me these stories, and my first my first thoughts are coming. And I don't – when we cover up for, for kids like this, you know, crap, hap, bad stuff happens. Look at Baylor in the last – Sure. You know, look at look – at, uh, <laughs> Well, maybe not to the to that extent, but look at uh, Cam. Look at Cam at Florida, and then transferring here to a small school in Texas, and then back to Auburn. Yeah, and then Jameis Winston with just those are recent ones that come to memory. But when we cover up for kids like that, bad crap happens. But this is a situation where they did the crime and they got absolutely handed the punishment for it. And you're right about this being. The meat of the story, which is so weird because what Carter lost was they had won the state championship. And this could easily have been a totally, like, let's say none of the crimes happened. Right. This 
absolutely could have still been a 30 for 30 because about it, yeah, one of the no. greatest teams ever that triumphed and broke an almost 40-year string of no Dallas ISD team winning a state championship and you have Hall of Famers like LT saying this is the greatest high school exactly. football team ever but instead it takes a turn about the whole reason they lost and the 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 part in leading into the sentencing that I thought was particularly devastating is the judge, because you hear the players and you hear at least one of the parents seemingly not understanding right. how bad this was going to be. But then when you go back to the the woman who was then just a teenage girl yes, and the guy who said after he was held up at gunpoint, one of the players kicked him in the crotch, mm-hmm. like you see that girl talking and it's been, by the time this came out, the interviews would have taken place 25, 27 years later. Right. She still looks terrified Terrified. when she's reenacting this and i imagine having a gun held to your face is probably a pretty horrifying experience luckily i haven't gone through that and so when people talk about how harsh the sentencing is i was like you need to go back and watch that woman who now is 25 years later and is still visibly shaken by retelling something that happened so long ago and so the thing that the judge says is because there were 21, there was a string of 21 robberies. Right. And it involved 10 different teenagers from Carter, six of which were on the football team. Mm-hmm. And they're all there together. And the judge says, right here, you all represent more crimes than everything Bonnie, Bonnie yeah. and Clyde did together In their total. Lifetime. Yeah. And you're just like, damn. Yeah. That, and this that happened was... in the span of like two months. Yes, exactly. Uh, the most telling thing about was how the kids were so unaware of what they had actually yes. done. Yes. Gary Edwards, the the like I don't want to call him the mastermind behind the whole thing, but he was part of it, and he, he seemed to be kind of a leader out in front of it. Uh, he said, he, he said, you know, we, we did this bad thing, and then we're going to go to court, and it's going to be over. He had no concept about what was, robbery, yeah, yeah. what was really going to happen. And 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 again, I, I don't want to insinuate that race has nothing to do with this. Sure. But I, I think the racial implications happen a lot more in terms of like not them getting punished, but what led to these crimes sure. and, and, and stuff like that. And like the system, I, I, there's something that Randy Galloway says in there. And by the way, the thing is Randy Galloway Craig Way, and I do want to point out real quick, and then I promise I'll swing back around to what we were just talking about, David McNabb. David McNabb is featured in here. Mm-hmm. He passed away a couple of years ago. He is a he was a phenomenal, phenomenal reporter. He was somebody who he worked at the morning news at the time. And right. technically, you know, we're even though we're small suburban newspapers, we're competing with the morning news. And I would always chat with him <laughs> and sometimes he would be like, I don't know how you get some of these things. And and so <laughs> So like, you know, they have a significantly bigger staff and bigger budget, and we were still able to scoop them a lot, but if there was somebody who was going to scoop me, it was going to be David, and sure. he was so good, and he was so nice, and so willing to help, so I just wanted to, if you ever knew David McNabb, he's featured prominently sure. in this, and he was just a great, great well, guy. let me stop you right there and ask you a question. When you see someone like that who you revere, and you have a, you know, a yep. when you see him on television like that and he's not he's not he's no longer here are, are there like emotions coming back do they rush back to you like or do you remember conversations immediately or yes you, you point back stuff? I, okay i absolutely remembered that's funny that you phrase it like that because that's exactly what happened is i remember sitting with him in 2008 i'm pretty sure it was the tap state semifinals or quarterfinals for baseball. Okay. We were watching Prestonwood Christian Academy. And Prestonwood Christian Academy had a couple of different pros off of that team. Jordan Swaggerty, who if he didn't have arm problems, I thought he was going to be huge. And then Cameron Rupp, who played for the Phillies and then most recently was on with the Rangers. And that team was unfreaking believable. Cameron Rupp that year, his his on-base percentage was like 750. Holy It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. And so they were undefeated all the way up until the state finals. Mm. And they played a Dallas Christian team they'd already beaten multiple times and they lost to mm. devastating. Mm. That was the best. That was one of the best high school baseball teams I'd ever seen. Can I stop you right there? Yeah. For, for those of you who are not unaw- or who are unaware, Prestonwood Christian is like it, they were this prep school 
and they just turned into this juggernaut of a sports school. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, Julius Randle, yeah. who, I mean, obviously killing it right now yeah. in New Orleans, looks really good. Um, and he was with the Lakers before that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's uh, – and they've won so many – uh, state championships in basketball, and just uh, last year, the year before, they won one in baseball. Sure, it was 2010. It was 2008 or 2010. Uh, but I remember sitting with him, and we were just hanging out and watching the game, mm-hmm. and we were both taking our notes, both getting ready. We were both competing for the same story essentially but we spent the whole game just chit-chatting about whatever and it, it didn't feel like a rivalry he he and he always said and if you need anything let me know i'm glad to help sure and he was just a really really good dude awesome that's really awesome um so yeah all, all the way back uh this was another racial component that I thought didn't have any place in this documentary is they showed the six Carter football players being walked off in their handcuffs kind of mm. chained together and one of the parents moms said it made me think like the slave mentality right and I thought I think that's an inappropriate comparison and I might get some heat for speaking out on this because you know I'm white and maybe I shouldn't speak on this but in that instance, I don't think that's where you should be upset that they were all chained together is like they were going to jail for holding people up at gunpoint and those people thinking right. they were going to die. Right. Are there plenty of other factors that led to the unfairness of it? Uh, of it? Is it the unfair, you know, um, the supplies, the budget that goes into their school, the mm-hmm. atmosphere that's around their school. There's a lot of other racial factors sure. at play that could have made a point into this. But that particular moment when they said it was sad to see them taken off like slaves, it was. It, I disagree. It was sad to see people with such bright futures mm-hmm. taken off to jail. How they were chained up, irrelevant. The fact yeah. that they were chained up is sad because these were kids, whether it was by football or other means, they seemed to have the opportunity to go places, and they got greedy, foolish, arrogant, mm-hmm. whatever right. the word is that you choose to describe. And I'm not going to lie. If I had all of those opportunities in front of me, I absolutely might have chosen to be greedy, foolish, and arrogant. Sure. And who knows? I think now is a good time to bring up where they're from. Oak Cliff. They're, they're from Oak Cliff. Sure. And the film does a great job of setting up what Oak Cliff is it, it became a black middle class neighborhood and you look at oak cliff now and it's well even before then that was where uh stevie ray vaughn is from and, right you know that you can still go to the Ray the stevie ray vaughn house it's still there and, and you it's heard for some, sale, actually you heard some people arguing in there that yeah. they hated the portrayal of carter as thugs yeah. when they said the middle class they were like there are lots of really educated sure. well-off families here doctors yes, lawyers absolutely know, that kind of stuff. and then i look at oak cliff now like I'm I'm I like local hip hop music. So like, there's a guy from Oak Cliff, a white guy actually, goes by the name Crumb. He went by the name Plato. There had to change his name because he didn't want to get sued. But sure, uh, like Oak Cliff is like kind of a happening spot in Dallas where a lot of culture comes out of, and it was, but then in the '80s, it was a middle class. A middle class place, right? And, and I do wonder if the perception of what happened with the guys from Carter pushed mm-hmm. that into people described Oak Cliff as the hood, right. as the ghetto, which I like. There are certain spots of where everywhere is where I bet you could, well, not everywhere, but a <laughs> lot of places. Like I live in Garland and I think sure. I live in a, a nice neighborhood, but I mean, there are areas of Garland that you might think, ooh, dicey. I worked at sure. a blockbuster in Dallas, definitely in a dicey area sure. where there are other areas of Dallas that are super fancy so right. i think there are a lot of different areas and so i i that was a part where i thought the racial component was more accurate sure. is when they talked about like the film description of friday night lights and they showed carter as the black school that had every na- negative black stereotype right. and, uh, that's where i thought you're spot on sure. with your racial component and the racist aspect of it and it's unfortunate but you could see that as an easy sell for a movie right right like it's the the down home good country white kids mm-hmm. against the thuggish street city black kids right like it's a lazy sell 
but I can Real see easy, how yeah. it would be an easy sell for some people. And I thought they were onto something there where people said, you know, this is the hood and these are thugs when you're like, but not really. Yeah, but yeah. Because you have some really well off, really well educated people. Unfortunately, with all these arrests, that fed further into the stereotype. Right. And then there was the uh, the attorney, essentially the attorney for Carter, who says that the shame of it is those arrests are essentially what cost them the state championship. Mm -hmm. Not because they got arrested, but because it deterred a future fight. Because right. what happens is about two months after they won the state championship that we all saw is – they went back to the education board and they were eventually overruled, said those players were ineligible and they would have been stripped of their title right. to then go to Converse Judson. And a couple people said by that point, all of Carter's goodwill had, had been, been squandered by the arrest. And then the attorney at that point said, the administration said, we don't want to fight this because the publicity for it, because what's mm -hmm. the publicity going to be, if you think about it, Eric? Is the story going to be Carter fights to get its state title back, or is it going to be arrest-laden Carter back in court? Right. Even though it has nothing to do with those arrests or anything like that, that's what the headline's going to be. And the administration said, pass. And the attorney for Carter's like, I really think we could have won. And at this point, they had won all their other court fights. They sure. had won their injunctions. I probably think they would have won too. And if not for those arrests, they're still the state champion, exactly. I believe. So right now, if you look at the, at the at the record book, it's just an asterisk. You know, they're, yeah, it says Converse and, Judson. Yeah, they yeah, lost by so. 17 points as the state champion. Exactly. Okay. So um, overall – you you liked it. I I really enjoyed it too. I loved it. So I mean I I think we we just wrapped up the movie part, of it, but there's more stuff here I want to talk about. Uh, it was well. Let me get to this. Actually, they robbed a ponchos, a ponchos. Man. Sure. <laughs> Which is like, and it, it seems weird, but there's an odd like spike of interest at that moment not because they were robbing it but because like everyone around here yeah you know ponchos everybody you know, knows ponchos raise the from, flag yeah. and exactly so you oddly get that like oh yeah ponchos yeah which is a horrible because it's a bad it's a thing bad, that's yeah. going on yeah the ponchos you we were just talking i was just talking about ponchos yesterday at lunch with some friends from church i'm like i haven't talked about ponchos in in 20 years and sure. now and now i'm watching i'm watching this film and ponchos comes up and i was like well, Look at that! It's a ponchos. <laughs> we we do a segment on the show KNC Masterpiece. Shameless plug. Seven to eleven. One hundred five. He's the king fan. of them. Uh, does this store still exist? Okay. And so we'll kick out places like Ponchos, like Eckerd's, and things yeah. like that, just to Eckerd's. see, like, oh, wow. do you know of a place that still exists that's that's still that? And you know, like, there's a over by my gym. There's a Captain D's. What? I think I think there might only be like two of those still in existence, <laughs> and one of them is over by where I live. And so, I uh, like we get a kick out of stuff like that. And so it it, it is fascinating how at, in such a horrible moment. You get an odd sense of interest in, oh, yeah. Right. Hey, I remember ponchos. I remember ponchos. Raise that flag. Get your simple Absolutely. tias and, and, have a, and have a good night. So uh, I liked it. You liked it. That's that, right? Yep. All right. I wanted to talk about these five players that made it to the NFL. Okay, Jess, sure. Jesse Armstead, by far the, the biggest and well-known. But um, Joe Birch, Clifton Abraham, and Lachey Matson also went, and Darius Smith. Um Clifton Abraham, where did he play at? Oh, geez, I'm gonna have to click on his name so I can so I can remember. But Jesse Armstead, he was uh, he was. Oh, I'm sorry, Clifton Abraham played in the American Football League and the Canadian Football League. He went to Florida State. And just think about it: you have five players from the same high school team that played professional football. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. From, yeah, that's insane. That, Unheard of <laughs> that, and from the same class. Exactly. That's a, not the same school, the same class. And they talked about between eighteen to twenty-eight of their players either got D or four-year school offers or college scholarship offers. Right. There were a couple of Allen teams that I saw, including the first one that won the state title and their first state title in '08. I think they had fourteen. Holy moly! Players that went on to play college football and. I mean, you think about how much smaller Carter is than Allen. I mean, we're talking about maybe half the size. Right. And they had as many, if not 
10 to 12 mm-hmm. more yeah. players from that class. That's astonishing. This was a team that was – I mean, it was it was all around good. Yep. But their defense was was better than anything else on the field. It very much is reminiscent of the 85 Bears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in terms of, like, the offense was – because you saw a couple of those games. They mm-hmm. needed the razzle-dazzle from the offense, sure. even though they needed to bring in a defensive player one time to get exactly. the job done, uh, to win some of these games. But more often than not, the focus was on the defense, and it felt very 85 Bears-esque, and I love that. Uh, discussion where I can't remember who said it, but he was like, "You can get the tackle, but if you can hold them up for a second, and I'll finish, I'll the, finish tackle. the job." Uh, all every player on the defense ran a sub four five, unreal. And that's including in the eighties. In the eighties, that's including Jesse Armstead, who was a beast. He was uh, Jesse Armstead was by far the best player on the team. He was number one ranked in the state of Texas and number one ranked nationally. So, <laughs> which, which I have seen before. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat oh, yeah, who yeah, yeah. played at Plano West, mm-hmm. who to this day had maybe the greatest single game I've ever seen. I'm going to mangle his stat line, I'm sure. But tell me of a more impressive performance than this. Plano West won the game. He had like three sacks, blocked a kick, and was named Homecoming King. Oh, wow. It was the all-around most <laughs> impressive performance I'd ever seen, and I was like, wow, that's Im- that's amazing. And he was the number one recruit in the entire country when he committed to Texas, to Texas and yeah. you saw the hysteria yeah. around that and some people, including his dad, and who his played dad. for the Cowboys, yeah. who was super pissed at me for breaking the story two weeks ahead of time that he was <laughs> going to go play at Texas, but whatever. What do you do? You got, you got that right there in your lap. You got to do it. Uh, so Matson played for the Oilers, the Jaguars, and the Redskins. Ah, oh, the Houston Oilers. You know, I like the Houston Oilers. That's, that's a good logo. I miss it. I know that you probably that, don't No, I, I didn't like the team, but that is a cool logo. And then Joe Birch, I uh, want to bring him up as well. He played. He was a defensive lineman and played. Oh, Where did you play at? You're not on here. Ah. Arena League. Connecticut Coyotes, Arizona Rattlers, Houston okay. Thunderbolts, Arizona Rattlers again, and the Las Vegas Gladiators. That's why he's not on there. I mean, and you can see it right now. There's a lot of kids from the Metroplex who I'm either... S- he was drafted by the Patriots. But okay, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, look, if you get drafted, that's terribly impressive, regardless yeah. of what happens next. Yeah. I mean, like you have Jamal Adams right now. He's from Hebron. Keenan yeah. Robinson just retired. He's from, you know, Plano East. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about what a big deal it is if you have a player right. make it to the NFL, but they had five from the same class sure. that made it to the NFL. And could these other six have had an opportunity? I bet one or two of them could have, if not for having to go to jail, because most mm-hmm. of those kids ended up getting 12 to 26 Six years, years in jail, jail and yeah. they served at least half of it. Exactly. All right. Jesse Armstead is the feature here because uh, he is he's by far the most collectible. Uh, we, we ran his stats off earlier. He was a giant, a Redskin, a Panther. He's a five-time Pro Bowler, a four-time All-Proler, All-Pro. Uh, he's in the Giants' Ring of Honor, and he's a Super Bowl champion as well. So, uh, well, that's as a, an assistant coach, but he also he won two titles at the University of Miami. So, the, when I was looking for things like to what would I would want from this, I I, I keyed in on Jesse because uh, like memorabilia-wise and sports cards-wise, he's going to be the one out there the most uh, by by far. But um, there was a vintage. I didn't know this. Did you know that Apex had an NFL license jersey? Did no. You know? Yeah. So Apex Apex had a. I guess they had a, the jersey for the New York Giants, and there was a game used. Uh, really. A game used Jesse Armstead Apex jersey that oh. recently sold. Actually, it just sold just a couple days before Halloween. But that he's he's going to be the most collectible out there for you. But. What would you like from this film? Think about this. What would you want? I mean, because this is a very specific niche of collecting Texas high school football. Uh, There's a couple of things that immediately jump to mind. I would love a team-signed Carter helmet. Oh, yeah, that'd be because awesome. Because Carter had really sweet jerseys yeah. and helmets Those then, red too. cowboy helmets. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and I would love one of those signed helmets. And then the other thing, depending on how quickly it got done, and quite frankly, I would still make it anyway because you got to pay for them. I want a Carter State Championship ring. There you go. Because I, I don't know. I can't remember how quick the turnaround is, but you have to pay Jostens or Balfour sure. or whatever. So you could just get it made up. Right. And I mean, 
I'll just show them the video if they're like, but did you really win it? I'd be like, check this out. And so I would want one of those state rings because I would quite frankly, like the replacement players who had to wait so long for their Super Bowl rings, I would feel like we earned it. Like yeah. if I'm a Carter player, especially one of the ones that never had any grade or legal issues, I would feel like I deserve that ring. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. For me, I want one of those red Carter jumpsuits that for the practice. Like the track suits? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to definitely need one of those. Uh, I'm going to need – I do this every every time, but I'm going to need a ticket from the from the state championship game. Yeah, by the way, there were, there were two things in that that I found, like, really sad. The attendance at that state championship yeah. game, really sad. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, I, I've seen several with Allen, and Allen travels better than probably any sure. team in the state. But then the one that was really sad is when they reunited – those people at a Carter home game. Yeah. And it looked like there were 15 people at the game. Sure. And you would have thought, if nothing else, you should hype up, hey, the guys from the 88 team are going to be here. Right. And they should have packed that place. Should, I don't absolutely. know if they still play at Kincaid or not, but they should have packed that place. And it was sad to see, like, because Carter football has fallen on, you know, hard, hard times. times. All right. So. Yeah, they they absolutely have come to think of it. But I, when I when I think Texas high school football, Carter's like they've exactly, long since know. they were long since passed up by Skyline. You know, yeah, you look Skyline, at the last yeah. decade, Skyline was the team that was perpetually making a run. At did Crabtree go to Skyline or did he go to Carter? Uh I'm not positive about that. That's a good. question. I think he went to Carter. I should know that. But anyways, that's he went to tech. He ended up in Texas Tech, then then in the NFL. NFL so yeah. there you go. All right, I'll, I'm just gonna go with those two things because the other thing is kind of morbid. I would just just for curiosity purposes, I don't say that I want this, but I would want to see it. I want to see the court transit, the 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 transcript transcript from courts i want to see those i just i want to read through them see what was i'll go with i'll go with something a little bit less dicey for number three i want that math grade book yes i want to with that yes with that weird symbol that are like oh could be anything between zero and a hundred you're like that seems like irresponsible putting aside like all the other implications that just seems irresponsible they just have a weird symbol that nobody exactly knows what it stands for except for that one person (laughs) i would want that math book the one the one white teacher in the whole you know that that probably came into play too. Yeah. You know? yeah. That, okay. That's another example where I think the racial implications are perfectly fine. Sure. Exactly. All right. Uh, so, is this a classic? Oh, I'm going to ask that question first. Is this a classic where I because th- I think it is. Well, what and the reason I say that it is is because we all seen Friday Night Lights, whether the TV show or the movie. We all read the books, and if you're from around here, you know about Odessa Permia and Mojo and everything like this. Yep. I'm saying this is a classic because. It gave me the other side of the picture. It's the counterpoint, yeah, right? Yeah. The, I mean, would you say Friday Night Lights is a classic? Uh, the movie, yes. I don't care for the TV show. The hell did you just say? Yeah, I just want to say that because I wanted to fight. <laughs> oh, my God. The TV show is, by the way, superior to the movie in every single I'm conceivable just, way. I'm messing with you. Well, if you think that Friday Night Lights is a classic, then I think that this is a classic because you're right. It's the counterpoint. Yeah. It's the counterbalance. I will say this. I hope this is not a, uh, a cop-out. It's a classic for people in Texas. Yeah, Nationally, definitely. I don't know how much this resonates, but if you are, you know – Anywhere between, what, 30 to 80? Sure. You probably know this story, or you probably think that you know this story. And if you're even younger, there's a decent chance you've heard about this story if you live in the state of Texas. And I think it should be required viewing for everyone in the state of Texas. It's I loved it. Loved it, too. All right, uh, this is where we do the ratings. No, obviously this is not on Metacritic. I looked, I looked, I looked. It's not I there. think the Metacritic snobs would have a hard time hating on I this. I think so too. I'm gonna so. say I'm gonna project it at 87 percent on Metacritic. On Metacritic, I want to I want to go Rotten Tomatoes first because is this, this on Rotten Tomatoes? Th- the 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 show itself that this particular episode is not, but the season. Okay. Is. Okay, so this is season seven. Okay. Um, and. It's not on the tomato meter, but it does have an audience score. Man, I would say it's in the 80s. It's got to be pretty it's, high. It's not, actually. It's 50%. And I, I think that's... What are the other ones in that season, then? Um, because the 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 way they, they the way ESPN splits up their seasons, this is like season three. Right. But the way they do it's kind of wonky, so... Uh, Nature Boy, The Two Bills, The Last Days of Night, and then... I never yeah. saw The Last Days of Night. I've seen the other ones. Yeah. 
Now, two bills was kind of tough. I didn't care for that one that much. 50%, huh? And then the other half of 2017 would have gotten, would have gained you, this was the XFL, one and not done, and then the Celtics Lakers series. One and not done, I didn't watch that because John Calipari is trash. <laughs> uh, the rest of them are really good. Wow, yeah. that's that's surprising and disappointing. Yeah. I would like to speak with some of those people. We, okay. I'm going to so, do some data mining and figure it out. IMDb, I was... I was surprised. I don't think it's low, but this is right here in our wheelhouse where it always is. So it's like a six or something. Yeah, it's a seven five. So oh, it's a seven five on yeah. IMDb. Yeah. That's pretty good. Th- that's that's this show. What Carter lost, not the season. Oh, so okay. It's uh, yeah. I I mean I think anything less than an eight five is yeah. wrong. Sure. And I know this is a subjective thing, so maybe wrong is the incorrect word. Had to change it, uh, but. No, I think it's tremendous. I think it is, and especially when from local flavor, this yeah. is right up there with Pony Excess in terms yeah. of excellent local 30 for 30s. And and we don't have Skip Bayless, so there you go. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> I mean, but and there's so many, you know, uh, Craig Way is in there. Craig yeah. Way is awesome, even though we represent Texas, and obviously I don't support that. But sure. uh, Craig Way is awesome. Randy Galloway's in there. I already shouted out David McNabb, John Jock Taylor's in there. There are so many, like, local... Even Dale Hansen. <laughs> yeah, Dale Dale Hansen, who hasn't found an issue in the last five years that he can't make believe outrage about. Sure. Uh, yeah, and Dale Hansen's parts are relevant. You could fast forward in that because he's like retroactively changing what he thinks about things. And Very I, nice. You know, that's a different podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I I thought it was I thought it was tremendous. I really really did. One of my favorite things that we've watched as part yes, of this podcast. Yes, I've enjoyed it a lot. All right, so. Next week we're going to wrap up the uh, the football season, and we're going to take a break, take a one week break after that, and come back with basketball. But next week is a movie that neither of you or I, I'm sorry, you or I have ever seen. Yes. Brian's song. I'm excited. I routinely, if you look up football movie ratings, Brian's song is consistently like pretty high up yes. there, and I think James Caan is in it. Yes, I've never seen it, and it was a TV movie. I'm yeah. learning. So this is something that I wanted to ask you, but you just you just said you just said James Caan. So are we going to watch the new version or the old version? So we want to watch the, the, the original, old the original. James Caan version. Okay. Awesome. That's what we're going to go it's with. Based then. on a true story, I believe. It is. As well. Yes, I'm, it is. I'm interested. All right, guys, uh, that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging out, and until next week. You get it right? Cut. That's a wrap. There you go.